I certainly think it could be a good new normal. And uh, I appreciate and respect how in a lot of the Asian cultures, when you are sick, you wear a mask. And I almost hope that when people go onto planes after masks aren't mandatory, if you have a cough or a cold, you wear a mask in consideration of everybody else. Uh, I don't think that's a bad habit moving forward in the future, although I would never support everyone wearing masks when they feel fine and healthy and are outside. Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner, and it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Have you ever thought about hosting your own podcast? This episode of Clear Choices is brought to you in partnership with Libsyn, powerful podcast hosting the podcast hosting, distribution, and monetization platform since 2004. Use promo code CHOICES and you can get over one month of free services. Go to Lipson.com, promo code CHOICES. Hello, Clear Choices. Rob Eigner here with another interesting episode to start off our year. There's been a lot of focus, as you know, in in our news media and our lives being disrupted by covid And I've addressed that in many different ways uh, in in previous episodes. And what I have yet to do is actually speak to someone in the medical profession. So today we have with us Dr. Brett Levine. He is a ear, nose, and throat specialist in Southern California, a graduate of the USC School of Medicine. He has his own private practice and also conducts uh, surgeries in uh, local hospitals here in the South Bay of California. Uh, Dr. Brett, thanks for being here. Rob, thank you so much for having me. I really uh, appreciate your platform and love the message of Clear Choices. Uh, thanks for saying Excited that. Excited to be here. Thanks for saying that. So my first question to you, I mean, let's just kind of dive right into it, is how has COVID-19 impacted your practice? Yeah, I think like very similar to how it's impacted many people, it has been a game changer in many ways. And it's probably just amplified for most medical practitioners. We as We see patients in the office every day, and as ear, nose, and throat professionals and surgeons, we're examining inside the throat where COVID-19 is at its highest concentration. So the risk is a little higher than practitioners who have converted to telemedicine and can do a lot of things visually on the computer, which really doesn't work looking in the ears, nose, or throat. So because of that, there's a lot of safety precautions we have to take in the office every Practitioner wears an N95 mask, wears glasses or a shield, changes gloves for every patient. Uh, So you can imagine every half day, we see about 15 to 20 patients. We're doing that 20 times over. We have HEPA filters in every exam room. Every single patient coming into the office gets interviewed and their temperature taken just to make sure we don't have anyone who could potentially spread COVID in our office. And thankfully, we've not had a single patient or practitioner in the entire 2020 year up till now, 2021, who's gotten COVID. Let me ask you, uh, so that, first of all, that's really impressive. And second of all, um, I'm curious, approximately how many patients do you think you've seen during COVID? 
So I see approximately 100 people a week. So 400 people a month, I've probably seen. 4,000 uh, people. Uh, around that, yeah. 4,000 people and no one. That is me. So we have three to four practitioners in the office. So it's so, safe to say it might be 8,000 people yes. that have passed through your practice. And, and so far, I'm literally knocking on wood. There's been no spread of COVID through your practice that you're aware we, of. We, we COVID test everyone prior to surgery. And I was surprised, but I had the first patient uh, a week or two ago who on pre-op testing tested positive. Even though when I saw her in the office, she was asymptomatic and fine and her surgery got canceled and had to be rescheduled as she had to quarantine for two weeks with that diagnosis. So I know I know you to be a very positive person and have a very positive outlook uh, and, and kind of a gratitude in every way, shape or form. So I'm curious how you see that this pandemic has actually improved your practice or improved the medical profession in general. Like how has this pivot had a positive long-term impact on, on the medical industry? I, I think it has uh, forced some areas of the industry to use technology better and to show where telemedicine is helpful. So the, the explosion of telemedicine and medicine, I think, is a positive for the future. It allows me to talk to patients who are out of state, but I know them and they're in Chicago or Florida. And instead of calling and asking for something, I can see them, I can talk to them and I can help them which was not possible for telemedicine. Uh, it also is a convenience factor for people who would just want to go over test results or things that can be done very easily over the computer instead of taking time out of work uh, to come into the office. So those measures, I think, have been very helpful. It has unified the medical industry in a lot of ways, um, working together to be safe, to communicate as a group in a unified manner, and to combat, you know, such a horrific pandemic that's affecting the entire world. So this, this next question is directed not just related to best practices for COVID, but also just overall health related to your specialty, which is ear, nose, and throat. What are, what are some of the choices that you see patients make, again, whether COVID or just related to ear, nose, and throat, that are you know, ones that you think are not in their best interest? What are some of the common things that bring people to you, I guess? I, I think uh, it is very hard in medicine and in people's general health to understand that you can have a problem that you don't see or feel. And this is true in diabetes. This is true in high blood pressure. It is very easy for us to say, if I feel fine, I don't have a problem and not take your diabetes medicine, not take your high blood pressure medicine. And as the case in COVID, it is hard to believe someone can have an illness that can get someone else sick when they feel fine. And that is the problem that 40% of patients with COVID are asymptomatic and can transmit a virus even though they feel fine or have yet to get sick to someone who else can get sick, and especially if they're high risk, uh, can put them in the hospital or even take their life. So I think that is a really important um, lesson that COVID is teaching us in a lot of ways. And I teach patients this all the time when they feel fine, yet are told they have cancer or they have diabetes and still need to take their medicine, even though their A1C is normal or have high blood pressure still, but are on medicine. So their blood pressure is normal. That doesn't mean they don't have hypertension. So in, in a way, 
this is that same lesson that if we don't see it and feel it, it's not there. But that is not true, especially in a lot of cases like this. So that just really that really requires people to have sort of a self-discipline of like, okay, even though I'm feeling great, I need to adhere to regimens that yes. are going to keep me healthy. Yes. So, you know, you talked earlier about HEPA filters and everyone's wearing certain kinds of masks and all this protocol that you have to do. What's been the financial impact on your practice or the medical industry in general? Yeah, I think most practices have had to spend money on the clear plastic uh, dividers uh, when they interview and meet patients in all spaces because the real risk is within six feet of someone speaking and spitting respiratory droplets and contaminating someone uh, who gets COVID. So we have partitions everywhere. Uh, we've had to purchase temperature uh, monitors to check everyone's temperature. Uh, masks, shields, gloves uh, are used at a much higher rate than they would normally in practice. You know, it's it's thousands and thousands of dollars depending on the practice. A, a month? Uh, no, I, I would say over maybe a quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there have been grants and there have been things given by the city and state to give you supplies at discounted rates when they are available. A lot of things, as everyone's seeing, also run out of supply and uh, are delayed. But we, we've been very lucky in managing all of those supplies and risks very well in our practice because we're a suburb of Los Angeles, I believe. So um, I went on to some... Um you know, medical oriented websites and uh, just to get some data. So I'm going to kind of run through a few data points and you can kind of just tell me your overall reaction to them or if you, you know, have experienced the same thing. So it says 81% of surveyed physicians said uh, revenues have dropped. Revenue reductions were between 20 to 50%. So, so that is all true. Uh, right now in the area we are in, the hospitals are closed to elective surgery. So we have no surgery going on. Our patient volumes in the office are the same, but uh, as far as procedures and things that are elective and surgeries, they are significantly down and that has affected our revenue. So, yeah, so that's had an impact. Um, I'm looking here to see there, there's one other one. 36% um, of physicians said that acquiring PPE was extremely difficult. Are you finding that or is it, has it been pretty accessible? Um, I think if we were to be using new masks for every patient or even every day, then getting adequate PPE would be difficult. We're, we're using things within reason. And you know, I use one N95 mask for an entire day or even an entire week, depending on how dirty it gets. Uh, so in that way, we, we are doing pretty well. I think it depends on the practice and the volume and where you get your resources. So, so Brett, before I pivot, you know, to kind of get deeper into getting to know you a little bit better, is there anything else around COVID in the last 10 months that you want to share with the listeners that we haven't talked about? I, I guess uh, because I've been, ex uh, I've been exposed or heard from various people who still doubt if COVID is real, I would just say that COVID is real. Uh, it is not the flu. In my 25 years of practice, I have never seen a hospital I've worked for closed down because they don't have the capacity of oxygen or ventilators or beds. Uh, the hospitals I work at now are using recovery room and pre-op rooms for more beds for patients to have oxygen to breathe. 
And this has never happened during any flu season that I've ever uh, been in practice for. So it is serious. Uh, I think the most important numbers are the hospitalization numbers and the hospital capacities and the deaths more than the testing, which is confusing because people can have multiple tests and different results. So those are a little harder to track. But I do think it is real and people should heed that, especially if they are exposed or have loved ones that are higher risk, which would be the elderly or people with respiratory illness. Uh, you just triggered something. Uh, so this isn't necessarily about COVID, but it's a result of COVID. Uh, you know, I noticed, so, you know, we've been adhering to mass rules and social distancing rules and, um, you know, essentially all four of my family members, we've been staying at home uh, aside from essential related travel or work stuff. Um, and so I've noticed that in 10 months now, not one of us have had a cold, not one of us have had a sinus infection. We've had none of the normal stuff that we have throughout the course of the year. Are you seeing that out there too? Yeah, I think this shows how much is transmitted invisibly that we don't appreciate we get from someone who sneezed in the elevator you walk into mm. or someone who is speaking to you and you don't feel them spitting on you, but you are inhaling the respiratory droplets. And uh, I appreciate and respect how in a lot of the Asian cultures, when you are sick, you wear a mask. And I almost hope that when people go onto planes after masks aren't mandatory, if you have a cough or a cold, you wear a mask in consideration of everybody else. Uh, I don't think that's a bad habit moving forward in the future, although I would never support everyone wearing masks when they feel fine and healthy and are outside. I certainly think it could be a good new normal for the future when someone's sick, maybe even in school and kids are sick because that is an incubator uh, for that is an incubator. schools. Yeah. And many pediatricians now have a huge decrease in their volume because kids aren't in school, they're not in preschool, and they're not getting sick. So they're not seeing a lot of the volume of sick children. In fact, I was on the phone today with a good friend of mine who is a pediatric ENT, and his volume is way, way down because kids aren't getting sick. They're not getting ear infections. They're not getting tonsil and throat infections because they are home and they're not mixing with other kids who are sick or at school or in daycare. Howie Mandel doesn't look so crazy anymore. You know? yeah. He's the, the cleanest freak of all the clean freaks. Okay. So, so talk to me now, like I, you know, could have easily done this at the beginning, but I wanted to sort of lead off with this topical topic of COVID, but what got you into medicine to begin with? Uh, many different factors. Uh, I think as a young person, I was very connected to my purpose for being and attracted to doing something in my life that was more driven by purpose than money. And I certainly wanted to have a secure income and be financially successful. But besides making money, I wanted to change lives. And I was driven to medicine because I love people. I feel the need to improve other people's lives I come in contact with. I love the human body. I'm fascinated by it. It seems very significant to understand how your body works. And I'm very curious about that. And so all of those put me in the direction of pre-med. And I was never swayed despite learning French and Spanish and dabbling in business and in computers and other industries in college. I just stepped in that direction and continued. Now, I know, obviously, you've 
you have impacted many people positively and I'm sure that's been gratifying. And I know, or from, from you and other doctors that, you know, there's also frustrations and challenges with any business, but particularly with the, the medical industry with, you know, just the downward trend on income and insurance collections and just all that stuff. So, so is there, are there things about it that make you still uh, are ha- glad that you're, you've stayed in it or is there a part of you that's like, Oh my God, why did I get into this business? So for sure, the reasons that attracted me to medicine still exist. I love meeting 20 strangers a day. I love not selling them anything and being in a space of honesty and vulnerability and my being able to serve them. All that still exists and I cherish it every day. It is probably what still makes all the challenges uh, worthwhile. But but it it is draining, uh, certainly. Added to COVID, it is draining just to focus on people's problems all day long and to be patient and attentive and um, one-on-one with people uh, in a very focused space uh, all day long. I I feel I sometimes regret uh, my children who get me at the end of the day when I have less patience and less focus as opposed to they should be getting me with my maximal focus and patience. But sometimes it just saps it out of you uh, as you try to keep up with your patients and give them everything you got. But, you know, one patient affects the next patient and then the next patient. And sometimes it's hard when people are upset at you because you're running late, not because I was out golfing or having martini, but because the last three patients took longer than I anticipated. So some of that is out of your control and that can be frustrating. I think it is also uh, challenging how much is out of our control uh, in medicine and what we can do and can't based on what the insurance companies say or approve. And, you know, the trend in medicine to decrease the cost, which is basically decreasing the reimbursement to physicians year after year, uh, despite working harder or trying to become more efficient. So all of that is definitely challenging and frustrating. And I think COVID, like many industries, has sort of amplified Exposed that, yeah. yeah. So I'm curious. Um, you know, I know this is true of the legal profession. I'm I'm quite sure it's true in a lot of ways of the medical profession and probably others. But it, it's always uh, I found it so curious that you know you go to study to be a lawyer or you go to study to be a doctor, and they don't necessarily teach you how to run a practice. They teach you how to in, in a practice medicine, but they don't teach you the business of running a practice, nor do they teach you. And maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, but they don't always teach you, you know, the kind of the, all the, the psychological things you have to deal with. You have to deal with human resources and staffing and people who are upset and dealing with a loved one who has cancer or whatever. Do they, or do you feel, did you feel prepared for that coming out of medical school for yeah, both those things? Yeah, these are really great points. Everything you're saying is never taught in medical school or training, there is such a massive amount of information and skills to attain, to learn medicine itself, to learn the anatomy, the pathology, the pharmacology, to learn the surgical procedures, that learning how to run a business, learning how to deal with patient expectation or complications or frustrated patients who may not even be frustrated at you, but you're receiving it, because of their stresses in their own life. Um, or a frustrated nurse for that matter. Yes, I mean, all these things you learn on the job, like many jobs, and you learn from the resources you seek out as you need them. 
I mean, I have to, I have to say, um, and this is, you know, maybe we're pivoting a bit, which is okay, is that, you know, I, I'm pretty demanding of the medical people I, I see. And, and what I mean by that is I want them to be highly competent and I want them to be responsive and I want them to be kind. And there's, there's been multiple times where I've gone to visit a new doctor that's been referred to me for whatever, and they're not kind or patient. And I'm just like, I leave. I just like, just get up. I go, this isn't a match. Sorry. So I think there's two sides to that. Number one, you know, you have no idea what that doctor has gone through the entire day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he's just having a bad day or he, uh, or the three patients before him have exhausted his patience and his kindness and his sense of humor. Uh, and then sometimes it's just not a match. And I tell patients all the time who complain to me about doctors that you are blessed to have an abundance of choice in America. And if you don't like your doctor, much like if you don't like your decorator, your plumber, or your accountant, find somebody else. Find someone who matches you. I cannot possibly make all 100 people happy and think that my personality is the personality for them every week. And it's something I've had to accept. And some people will just like someone else who's lighter or who's funnier or who- Or more direct and serious. Or more direct and serious or whatever. I tend to be more direct and serious. And some people like that approach and some people find it too direct and, you know, would rather have someone dance around things a little more. Uh, You know, I, I think it's really important to have someone that you feel like hears you and gives you what you need and no different than a spouse or a therapist. Uh, you know, everyone is not a perfect match for everybody. And it's, I believe it's the patient's responsibility to decide who's a good match for them. Appreciate that. So, so as I said, on the onset, you know, you're someone I know to be very positive. So I, uh, before I dive into a project that you've uh, created for yourself, that's having a nice impact out in the world, talk to me and us a little bit about just the choices you make as a, a a, a father and a husband and a human being and a doctor to stay positive. Uh, Cause you're, you know, in your field, you're faced with challenging diagnoses and, and, you know, giving people tough news and it's not always fun. Uh, I'm sure you get to deliver good news sometimes, but you also have to deliver bad news. So how do you stay positive throughout all that? Uh, it's a really good question and, and definitely not something that I would consider random. I, I would say I'm very intentional of the energy I bring into my practice. And there's many, many different factors or points throughout the practice that I have intentionally directed it towards positivity because that is what is important to me. So throughout the practice, we talk about what we make better as opposed to the problems we solve. And that is on our website, that is throughout the office. Uh, you know, We talk about helping people hear better, smell better, breathe better, sing better, speak better, as opposed to saying we treat hoarseness, hearing loss, dizziness, which we do, but I like to take it from the positive and show people what is possible. I have a big sign in my office saying, you know, I am grateful that we are healthy and working. And I express that to my staff all the time who have been working through this whole pandemic, but they are working and they are healthy. And that is a blessing. I even share it with patients. Uh, of all the positive things. In fact, one of the things I've noticed and learned through my years in medicine is uh, I will see a patient and they will tell me three or four problems they have and I will examine them and diagnose them and treat them and they will come back. And the first thing they will say is the thing that is not better. 
and I redirect them to look at all the things that are better before we work on what remains. Uh, and I think it is our natural inclination when we go to a doctor to talk about our problems. And I try to help our pay my patients see the positives in what they're dealing with. They may come in not being able to hear very well, not being able to breathe very well and having a cough. And then they come back saying, hey, I still have a cough, but now they can hear better, they can breathe better, and we have to continue working on the cough. And I think that's important in life to see the positives and work from the positives as a positive foundation for your negatives. And that's a that's a choice every day too, not to overuse the name of the show. But yeah, it's that a, choice. Is a clear choice. <laughs> so, um, so that kind of leads me to a, a project that you started a few years back. Uh, tell everyone what is Q4 Daily. So, Q4 Daily Inspiration is a platform that delivers an email twice a week with a quote, a question, a quest, and a quake. And this was inspired to me by the explosion of patients that I see who have anxiety and depression. And just by my habit that I have in my office on a daily basis, helping patients see the positive in their lives and in, even in their predicaments. And I've always been a lover of quotes, which are nice and concise and say a message very succinctly. Uh, that can sometimes change your mindset and how you view the day and even what actions you take. So I started this platform where I share a quote and then a question and then a quest, which for me is something, a step to take, something different to do. And a quake is how this has affected me or one of my readers and how it has changed them. And uh, this is something that you can just start your day uh, with a little intentional positivity with a possibility of something being different. So the day doesn't have to be the same as yesterday and the year before. So now you get a shameless plug. What's the website address? So this is q4dailyinspiration.com. So the letter Q, the number four. Yes, inspiration. q4dailyinspiration.com. Yes, the letter Q and the number four. As long as we're plugging websites, what's the website address for your practice if someone's in Southern California? So I, my practice is called Beach City ZNTs. So the website is beach, B-E-A-C-H, cities, C-I-T-I-E-S-E-N-T-S.com. And that stands for Ear, Nose, and Throat Surgeons. Awesome. Okay. So since you've been compiling all kinds of inspirational quotes for Q4 Daily, um, normally I come to the shows with an inspirational quote related to the topic that we're talking about, but I'm going to put the onus on you since you've probably fielded thousands of quotes over the years. So one of my favorite quotes that's on many of the posts is if you want to change your life, you have to change your mind. And I sort of like the double entendre of that in that you have to think differently if you want to change your life. If you want your day to be different, this moment to be different, you have to step into it with a different intention and with a different perspective. And you have to make a change. You have to state verbally and in your mind, I'm going to do this differently and take a step into something that may be a little uncomfortable and a little different, but that is how we advance our lives. And that is how we progress and, and have a different tomorrow. So I really love that because a lot of what I share is changing your mindset. And I believe for me, the biggest changes I've made in my life have always began with someone telling me a quote, asking me a question, or just giving me an idea that is different from the way I think 
And the minute I think differently, I can act differently. And then I see changes in my life. So uh, what was the last thing you did that made you uncomfortable that helped you grow? Uh, for sure. This is uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I, I haven't been on many I haven't put yet. you at ease. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, being a perfectionist, you know, I want every word I say to be inspiring and, and unbelievable. Uh, so definitely this. I, as you know, I invest in real estate and I'm branching into a new territory of St. Louis and closing on a house tomorrow. Congrats. So that's a little uncomfortable. I uh, actually joined a new tennis group uh, just a week or two ago. And my MO of how I would typically join a group of people would be just to quietly observe for a few weeks or months and wait for people to approach me. And, uh, and for the first time at 57, I walked up to a few people, introduced myself and asked them if they wanted to join my weekend tennis group. So that was different too. And I was sort of proud of it and shared it with my son and actually my brother who has a similar personality as me. And uh, I was pretty proud of it. Awesome. That's great. No, you're, you're, uh, you strike me as someone who, even though it is uncomfortable, you know, it's uncomfortable. You might not like the idea of it. You'll, you'll step into it anyway. So that's a, that's a great lesson for everybody. Yeah. For me, that has become a habit. And, uh, once you do it, you can do it more often and it become less uncomfortable and really help expand your life. And, uh, uh that's a lesson I've learned and continue to learn. Well, Brett, you don't you don't seem uncomfortable at all, but thanks for making the choice to be uncomfortable with us today. And uh, I really appreciate you being here and shedding a little bit of light on what it's what's on the inside of the medical profession as we all go through this uh, unique time together. So thanks for being here. Rob, I appreciate your podcast. And I appreciate your platform. I appreciate your message. And I appreciate you. Thank you for making the world a better place. Oh, awesome. Love hearing that. Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of Clear Choices. And uh, look forward to hearing from you guys next time. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well. So check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.